Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. I'm tired. Dave is tired. And I'm Jeff. And this is the Two Half Squads. The one and only podcast dedicated about 100%. And this show, probably closer to it. Yeah. Advanced Squad Leader. The greatest game in the world. And we are glad you joined us. This is a very interesting episode. We're not allowed to banter in this episode. Dave because the banter's me. built into the interview. Yeah. We do a great interview with Rob Banasek. Rob Banasek, one of the ASL Open gems. It's over an hour by itself. So with no further ado, let's get to it. All right. And we're back. Hello. We're back from lunch. Jeff and I had a lunch, and uh, they were kind enough. The Brett Hildebrand, Dave Goldman, Wes, Wes. Vaughn, and Kirk? Doug. Kirk. Kirk. It could have been Doug Kirk. It was Doug Kirk. Yeah. They were kind enough okay. to actually make room at their table, well, to move tables to let us join them. So we're coming up in the world because the first time we were here, they all we walked in for lunch. They all turned their backs. They turned us. their back. They eschewed us. <laughs> and now we have. We're very lucky. We're very fortunate to have Robert Banizek. Oh, I've been us. trying to get on this show for years. Yeah. <laughs> Je- Jeff always has to wash his hair or something. I don't, yeah. I don't know what that's all about. I'm a busy man. <laughs> well, no, Robert, you've been on with us before, right? We, no, this is first time. No, for me. this is first time. Yeah. You're kidding me. My yeah. first time. Yeah, we're really you excited were because no, honest. we I know you. We interviewed you with Rich or someone. We know you probably better from all of the wonderful things that Rich Spilkey tells us about. Oh, you. Rich is a big fan. I appreciate. He's that. a yeah. He's a, <laughs> well, he's a big fan. Well, then I'm going to confess too. I just told Rob. I swear, I thought we talked to you with the other AS Lock or something. Well, you may have but, talked to me, but not on the air. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because sure. I know you right, from right. multiple times. So I said, hey, you're one of the names I know from. Was it to go back as far as the general or uh, just the annuals? Would for sure because I I first started and I think my name first appears as a play tester for the '89 annual. Okay, and then you wrote articles. Right, there was the Crossfire series, and that that was a big one. And I wrote a lot for the local Windy City War Gamer publication, the Intelligence Report, and we ended up compiling those into some things that were sold. So you might have seen those too. Okay, yeah, might have seen those. Um, but yeah, so for sure the 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 journal, the annual, the annual, first, the general so. had some, had some of those articles. Um, and those were all ASL articles, is that right? Yes, okay. that, that, a lot of the those were the crossfires, which actually started in a fanzine called At the Point. I don't know if you remember. I have that. the At the Points. Okay, Mark Hanna published. Oh, I got to get into that closet. Mark Hanna, yeah, you do. It, I got them all in this one container. Okay, well that might have been where you first yep, saw it. Mark Hanna. Uh, that's when where the first crossfire appeared. And okay. Then I got a letter from Rex Martin, who was the editor of the annuals at the time, saying, "Hey, I saw your piece, and at the point, would you mind if we reprint it for the annual?" And of course, the crossfires I co-wrote with Mark Nixon. So I said, "Well, you know, it would be okay with me if it's okay with Mark, which it probably already was." Uh, but. I'd rather not see something reprinted. Personally, I don't like to see reprints. You know, people buy a product, they want to see new stuff. Yeah, yeah. right. You made that call. So I said, how about if we do a new one? And he said, fine. And this was all paper correspondence. This was before email, before everybody <laughs> had computers on their desk. This was like 1990 or so. Um, and he said, well, that'd be fine. You realize at the point maybe has a few hundred subscribers or people who are in the readership. And the annual has maybe ten or 15,000. Mm. So a lot of new people would say, but go ahead, do a new one if you want to. So we did, and that's how that came about. And I think there was a couple crossfires in the back blast, too. You remember? I have the back blast. Okay. Well, you could have seen it there. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's why been... your name kept appearing right. everywhere, everywhere. Right. Well, and being associated with Mark Nixon didn't hurt either. And how did you meet Mark? I first met Mark in the summer of 88. It was... Uh, well, in those days, Origins and Gen Con were two big gaming conventions. I don't know if they're still around. Yeah, well, Gen Con's the huge D&D one, 40,000 strong. Okay, well, sometimes... Yeah. <laughs> it's in Indianapolis. Now. They would combine. And, okay. and that year, they were in Milwaukee yep. that summer. Yep. And, of course, I was in Chicago, so it wasn't far away. And I took the weekend to go up there and be in the ASL event, which was not huge. No. Uh, and it might have been run by Bob McNamara, who was there, but I don't remember exactly how it was organized. But that's where I met Mark, and I played him for the first time. 
don't remember the scenario, but he just crushed me, crushed me like a grave, you know, it was just ugly. But he's such a fun guy to play. And that's how I met him. But then after that, we were both playtesters for Avalon Hill, and I had some reason to correspond with him. I don't know if it was associated with the playtest or just a comment on something he wrote. But I, you know, he used to do these pieces when a new module came out where he would go through every scenario and list like the pros and cons and strategy tips for each side. So in the course of things, and in my correspondence, I mentioned to Mark, I just saw your latest thing, which might have been the French module at the time. I really like it, but you know, wouldn't it be a good idea if you got someone else to take the other side? Because ASL is a two-player game. You're showing like what you think, but it's not a solitaire game, and if you had a different perspective. And, I, and my thinking at the time was, he had written uh, maybe some replays with some of the Cleveland guys, and he would probably get one of the Cleveland guys to do this with him. Well, he writes back and says, you know, that's a great idea. Why don't you and I do it? <laughs> so you didn't expect that. No, I didn't. But I thought, well, okay. You know, so that's that's how that got started. Yeah, and then uh, the first one again was in, um, you said, at the point, and at the then point, backblast, and then it got into the there, annual. At the point, yeah, then... The annual, and I think when the Backblast MMP, when MMP came out, they probably needed some some content, you know. And right, they, well, they sure, were, sure. And again, being associated with Mark Nixon probably didn't hurt. So, and then they um, did a couple. Yeah, now, did you ever write anything else? Like any of those, in, like just articles on routing or something? No? Well, not probably that you would have seen in the professional or semi-professional. Now, you would find things like that in the uh, compilations from the club newsletter. There was ASL okay. stuff, ASL junk, and I think the ASL thing. Oh, I think I that came out of the okay. Lady City Wargamers. Right. I do have one of those things. I got it late. Okay, there there's a lot of other stuff. A lot of after-action reports, maybe some other kind of, like you're saying, strategy tips and stuff like that. Okay. Um, that was originally written just for the club members. I mean, it was a monthly newsletter that came out. And after a while, it was just like we had all this material. Why don't we put it together for everybody else, at least the ASL content, and sell it to people? So we did that. Okay, and that's when about the time that somehow I had met some of you guys somewhere and ended up getting a copy of that from, I don't know if it was Louie or someone. It could be, yeah. Yeah, so maybe, um, yeah. And then now, of course, the most recent publication was with... The um, Texas. That's right. The yeah. Bonsai thing. Right. Uh, it had been many years since I had done a crossfire. And Rich Bilkin and I had talked about it for a long time. And he went down to the Texas tournament. I don't know exactly how he got linked up with He those did, guys, yes. But mm-hmm. Right. Then he uh, was, was talking to them and we discussed it and he approached them or they, I don't know who instigated it, but it came to pass that we said we would. Right for them, which is internet only, mm-hmm. not on paper, uh, which was a good thing because it was kind of lengthy, as it turned out. So I don't think it could have been published in a physical form. It would just take up too much space. Right. But yeah, we did that crossfire on the, the, the Lipke scenario, the uh, A44. Yeah, and how was that to do that after so many years since uh, the last writing one? It. Uh, it was fun. I mean, we it just kind of fell together on its own. I think Rich was a little more tentative about it. He had never done it yeah. before, not for a publication like that. But then we decided to put another twist on it and actually play the scenario because yes. the crossfire is all theoretical. <laughs> right. So we figured, well, you know, this actually lends itself to that kind of treatment because there's no hip. The concealment's not important from a fog of war mm. perspective. I mean, it's still protection, but... You can tell what's what, you know, where everything is. You know, most scenarios, once you do a write-up and the other guy knows what you're up to, you can't effectively claim anymore, yeah. at least not like that, because it would alter the course of the game. If you know where the AT gun is, you're not going to go there. Uh, but this wasn't like that. So it was like, well, why don't we just tack this on and do it and see what happens? And it turned out to be a pretty a pretty good game. It wasn't a hex-by-hex, dice-roll-by-dice-roll replay. Right, just, those, yeah. Right, I, I call it anyway. a condensed replay or yeah. a narrated replay. Narrated. Um, but I, it turned out to be a lot of fun. 
Yeah, it's a, it is a very good article. Although I, I appreciate it. Although I got three quarters of the way done, and I have not finished it yet, <laughs> but I will. Or anything else in that issue. Well, then you're missing out on the exciting conclusion. Yes, so. I'm going to get to that one. <clears throat> but but we, we uh, encourage can, everybody to. But you can also, yeah, you can learn so much. When I was yeah. reading it again, I it was like, boy, I forget how much I can learn, even about the rules, in a way, when you guys are saying something about the way the rules play out. Right. And yeah. you're thinking that through. Right. Well, that's, that's good. I mean, my approach towards writing anything is, first of all, it's got to be fun to write. If it's not going to be fun to write, I'm not going to do it. Second, it should be fun to read. If it's yeah. not going to be fun to read, either people aren't going to read it or they'll get done, they'll feel like they're cheated or something, so that's not any good. And if you get those two and people take anything away from it that's actually useful... That's bonus, you know. I mean, if, if if you achieve that, then you've done a good thing. So yeah, and it's great because a lot of the things that you used to write for aren't aren't available electronically, or that could be. So it's probably going to introduce this concept to a lot of newer players. However, many newer ASL yeah, players there are. People can't who, get the old issues. That yeah, at the point they don't have access right. to Dave Kleinschmidt's closet. Right. No one put them on d- digitally. No one. Probably not. I, I mean, I, I haven't seen like backblast report and all those. Well, you know, I imagine there would be intellectual property issues, but still, well, I you wonder, would think yeah. that by now somebody would have just scanned them in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, but you've been playing ASL then since eighty. I bought the. Uh, First module in the rule book in the summer of '86. Ooh, and I might have been ahead of you. Actually, you, you might have been. The, the copyright dates on the product are '85. Oh, okay, but it came out in '86. Maybe I don't. Okay, I, I, that, it seems like I got it as soon as I could. I was included. Yeah, in I did too. Yeah, and that was the summer of '86. I remember. And you weren't a squad leader player before. I was. Then? Oh, okay. So then you beat me. Right. Okay. No, no, this was, ASL was my introduction. To no, the whole I thing. started playing squad leader in the late '70s. Oh yes. Okay. okay. One of those situations. There was a friend of mine, and somehow we're in high school, and just we happened to learn that each of us was interested in this gaming stuff, and neither of us had anybody to play. And I had no product, but he had all these Avalon Hill titles, and so I started going to his house to play them. And you start out with Tactics Two, Luftwaffe, Africa Corps, that kind of stuff. And then we started on Squad Leader, okay? And Squad Leader, you probably know, had that programmed instruction approach. Right, yeah. Which was really good, and I think Evelyn screwed up by not maintaining that in some form for ASL. Well, they did Chapter K. That's not the same, though. Because uh, on two levels. First of all, there's learning the rules, and that programmed instruction lets you do that gradually. But it's also a marketing tool. Because one of the appeals was... You're always looking ahead, and you want to get to the next scenario. You want to get to the next product to find out what's next, right? Right. And so you be maybe you're just learning. You don't have tanks yet, but you can look ahead and see that that's coming. So it keeps you kind of locked in, and generates more interest because you have this sort of incentive. Every every scenario you play, you're getting closer to this goal. Right. It's it's like in a computer game. You want to get to the next level, right? And I think for ASL, I mean, this is all watering the bridge now but not to structure the rules that way but when you sell the rule book you could structure the scenario sequence that way right and then have a list where okay to play the simplest scenario number one here's the sections you need to read you know which would have been most of a and a couple of things in b which something like that has been published somewhere okay trying to remember where i've seen this may have been a journal or an annual or it may have been a third-party product well that would have been useful but it does exist now but you're right it didn't exist in the beginning and then you know for the second scenario you're going to tack on these sections that you have to read yeah and then scenario three and then eventually you get to you know whatever but i think that would have made it easier to learn and also would keep people locked into sort of the product cycle but they didn't do that so whatever yeah i wasn't involved yeah yeah, because it, it is, of course, challenging. and uh, But I, we, I always recommend on the air, you know, play infantry only for a while, folks. Right. And, and then, too, if people, a couple, right, some say, oh, I'm getting out, it's too complicated, I oh, can't yeah. put all this time. Then I, I say, go, then just go back and play infantry only. I mean, Rick Collender and I played an infantry only scenario, Poland in Flames, Bounding Fire Productions. <laughs> and. Um, it, we were just really having a great time, and then we realized why. We're not having to look up any rules. 
You know, yeah. it's infantry right. only. Right. And no one's overrunning with a tank. There's no one sneaking behind you, and you get the complicated routing mm-hmm. issues. It was pretty much we're plowing through. This that may sound boring to some people, but I right. played a thousand two hundred and fifteen or so games, and mm-hmm. I was having a blast. There have been, not I couldn't do it now, but back when I was more proficient, let's say 20 years ago, because I played more often, and I had opponents who played often, and we could play an entire scenario with no reference to the rules or the QRDC or anything. And let me tell you, if you can play like that, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Because the yeah. game just, just rolls. Yeah. You know, it's like... Yeah. But if you have to stop after every dice roll to look something up or to check the cards, yeah, that's kind of tedious. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, once you got started, then with ASL, how how long did it take before you thought, I think I'll go to a tournament? I feel like that. That, that was my fun. first time, the summer of '88, when I went to the Origins Gen Con. Oh, okay. So, but I had been playing squad. I never went to any. I don't even know if there were any tournaments before that. Before, mm-hmm. like, just for squad leader. Yeah. The first. I think the first Oktoberfest was maybe the fall of 86 or 87. Probably. And I remember seeing an ad for it, probably in the general, and thinking, because it was about four miles from where I grew up. But I, I was in Chicago by then, and that was back in, I think, Austintown or Youngstown, Ohio. Youngstown, Ohio. And I was like, yeah, man, I, I wish I could go to that. But I couldn't take a weekend off just to go play games. Um, but I remember seeing it, you know? And yeah, and then you were in with the Windy City War Gamers. That happened around, after I got out of school, that would have been about 88 or 89. Uh, and I think I might have connected with them through one of those ads in the opponent's wanted section of the general. I mm. think Louie used to advertise that way. Yeah, yeah, I think he did. Right, and then I, I went to a meeting or something, and Scott Holtz lived on an far north side of Chicago and I lived on the near north side and Louie passed my name to Scott I get this phone call from nowhere from Holst and uh, you know that's how I got connected up with that group so and that was a nefarious group yes. you were telling you were telling a story uh, just before we started you'll have to tell oh, yeah, that again yeah, yeah. about that, that was, was hilarious after the Oklahoma City bombings Tim McVeigh and yeah. all those people got killed and there was a lot of talk in all the media about the militias, which it turned out had nothing to do with it, but the theory at the time was yeah. that they were, you know, somehow behind the scenes. Overthrow the government. Right, right. Well, right after that, we had a police officer join the club, and he didn't seem to know much about gaming or whatever. He came to a few meetings, and we never saw him again, and I'm talking to Louie, and he's like, well, I, I haven't seen this guy, and I'm like, Lou, that guy's not a gamer. He was investigating us. <laughs> Someone passed, you know, this Windy City war gamers, right? Yeah. They, they passed this tip along. I mean, who are these war gamer guys? Very dangerous characters. Right? <laughs> they find out it's a bunch of middle-aged guys playing war games. Yeah. And that was the end of that. You know, close the file on those yeah. guys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> but actually, you were terrorists. In a way. Uh, <laughs> they missed us, though. Yeah. <laughs> Under the 9-11 thing? No, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> Just wants the credit. But that was kind of that was a very strong group for a while. I mean, pretty well known in gaming circles across the country, even as with a reputation. And we we had a pretty big group. I mean, everybody didn't come to meetings, but there were probably at the peak around eighty or ninety guys, half of whom at least would play ASL. Yeah. Now it was a kind of club that was really a gaming club, so there were many other games that people would play, multiplayer games, and some people would dabble in ASL and mostly play other games. But we we had at least forty guys who played some ASL, and probably half of them were hardcore ASLers. Yeah. So yeah, and, and that was really Louis' baby, Louis Tokars. He was the force behind the club because he did all the work. Yeah, he put out the monthly newsletter, took care of the dues, you know, kept everybody connected, arranged for the meetings, which we had three or four a month on Sundays. Uh, scattered around, and they were scattered around the city. Oh so, yeah, they rotated. Right, so you could go to, you know, there was there would be one a month that was not too far from where you lived, but you could get to it. Um, and if you wanted to drive further, you go more. But yeah, but to cross Chicago is not like crossing. Palatine, Illinois. No, <laughs> it's, it even, takes even a while. Even on Sundays, yeah, yeah. even on Sundays, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not. Could be. A it's challenge. not. Everything's not right off the highway, right, on the edge of town. Right, you have to go down some of these streets and 
but you, you get to credit Louie with that because without him, there would have been no WCW. You know, I mean, someone's got to do that yep. stuff, and people aren't just. And in fact, it sort of then went into decline when he, after 10 or 15 years, he wanted to pass it on. I mean, I don't blame him. Yeah. And that was kind of the end of it. We had some sort of interim guys who were mm. unenthusiastic and uh. just sort of disintegrated. But but uh, during in the day, it was, uh, I mean, at least what Rich tells us about it. And this, I'm still learning the history of all of this stuff. But uh, it was a pretty active group that would oh, yeah. get together and go to other parts of the country and sure. play in tournaments and yeah, we would organize, yeah. like, joint uh, travel plans. You know, people would get the same flights to go to Oktoberfest or back in those days, Avalon Con. And yeah. we would have, again, I say we, it was Louie, would have T-shirts made up, you know. So we'd, you know, eight, six or eight of us would show up all at one time with the T-shirts on and walk into the game room with and the Chicago guys were here. So yeah. that was, uh, was kind of cool. And, well, this tournament, we're at the ASL Open right now in Chicago. Louie started this. You know, back in yeah, he was director in my first one. And, okay, you know we were talking. Ray was talking to me about um, or I'm sorry, Rob, um, not being active in the community, but reading all about all of them <laughs> and why I never showed up anywhere. Right. And I think I told you it kind of felt like well, this is a game you play with your friends. I didn't really realize there was this wider community of people, and I did attend my first um. Open under Louis Tow Cars. Okay. And it's pretty vivid memory because I was actually, I think, playing like around fourth place early. All right. Which I was shocked when I heard this. But I also met, um, oh, my memory's just going. Who's the guy from uh, New York? We interviewed him. Oh, no. Treza? No. The guy from New York? I know. Oh, J.R. Tracy? Thank you. Oh, I right. was playing J.R. Tracy. Yeah, J.R. is a great guy. And I specifically remember th- those memories, right. you know, which I can't remember much from some other tournaments. Well, I guess you remember a little parts from all of them. But, yeah, um, yeah. But that was, together after. Yeah, then I didn't know anybody, right? I right. showed up there by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Jim McDermott went with me. Yeah, I did bring one. I got one friend to go, and that's when we went. Okay. Yeah. I said, I don't think I ever would have walked in by myself. Right. Ever. I don't think so. Yeah. And then you find out that it was... Community. People yeah. kind of know each other, <laughs> and people were nice. So and it wasn't all that scary. No, it wasn't all that scary. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you don't really want to even care about how well you're playing, no, really. Not really. I don't think so. Well, I found anyway, I think if you're really going to be competitive... Zach is back. Zach Emberton is joining us. Uh, hello again. Rookie. Hi, how are we doing? You now you're in the presence of greatness. Uh, yes. I, 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 right now I'm two and two great, so that's not too great. <laughs> but but <laughs> if you're going to be competitive, my, my thing was when I was proficient, no, was knowing the scenarios. Because, and there's, there's really two aspects to that. It's just knowing which scenarios are well balanced and which are dogs and which side might be favored. I mean, that's like half of it. And the other half is knowing how to play the scenario. Both the strategy and tactics, and knowing the victory conditions, so you don't misread them, you don't overlook something in the SSR. I mean, that's the kind of mistakes you make the first time you play a scenario. You don't make those mistakes the second or third time. Yeah, and those things are huge. And if if you haven't played the scenarios before, you're really at a disadvantage. If you want to move, Zach, if you oh, want to slide over, over want to be on, blasted to we're the now on Facebook. Oh, now yeah, that's Facebook. Now right, look right. Bad, <laughs> no one looks bad. Um, but another person we interviewed today, now that's all starting to run together, but uh, was pointing out you know, mistakes. The guy who makes the least mistakes, like I forgot to throw smoke right. or I, I simply forgot to leave a route. Pay. I mean, something right. that, that's simple, suddenly sure. that costs you the game. And again, that's the kind of thing that goes with familiarity of the scenario. Now, and... A, a, a tournament like this that has the list published a couple of months in advance gives you the opportunity to at least play all the ones you know you're going to play. And a lot of guys will do that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I used to be one of them. And when I could do that, then I was a lot better at it than I am now because every round is like a play test, you know. Yeah. I'm just figuring it out for the first time, and it's just entertaining. Yes. And, and then we also mentioned that that could be fun with, um, what's that, with Bendis? 
to sit down blind. Oh, yeah. And yeah. If, if, if you know they're well beyond scenarios, right. sit down blind. Eric says hello to you. Oh, oh, hey. Tell them hello, and then yeah. we'll interview you, Frank, when you get a chance. Please. we got to okay. fill hours and hours of airtime. <laughs> <laughs> the advertisers demand it. Yeah. Ritter Creek. And Bounding Fire Productions, <laughs> proud sponsors of the two. I don't know if they're proud sponsors, but they they're, they're willing to kind of give us a little free product or some cash to, okay. to do this. But most of ours comes from our listeners who subscribe to us on Patreon. That's but right. I don't think Mr. Emberton or Banizik or Ford have subscribed on Patreon yet to us. Oh, oh you have? Yeah. Yes, you did, sir. And you gave us the Canitis. You no, know, the. Krupnikov. Yeah, Krupnikos. right. It's a lot of old Fort references. Nikos, right. Yeah. Fort but um. So yeah, and then you say now you're not playing as much. That's the sad part of now the life I only cycle. Play, well, right. I I left Chicago about ten, twelve years ago, and since then I only play here at the Open and also at Oktoberfest. It's because you're you're back in Ohio though. Yes, that's right. And, but, well, to be fair, I haven't like. Try okay because there's people people. around. There could be. So yeah, don't email me if if you're out there or or, (laughs) call me up. I'm not not looking for opponents. Okay, at this point in your life, that's just that's just how it turned out. Yeah. uh, Whereas Zach went to. Yes, if if somebody's listening, it's Springfield. (laughs) It's Springfield, (laughs) Illinois. Or you know the. He's desperate. He's desperate. Desperate. Yeah. We're getting there. I'll play on vassals. That's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, to be perfectly honest with you, I would rather drive all the way up here, play you in your house, and drive back home than sit on vassals. Yeah. Oh, Jeff It'll was just talking quicker. about vassals too. Be yeah. 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 Experience be, with yeah. trying it and being face to face. Yeah. yeah. More fun. Well, right. That's how I learned. Actually, that's how I learned. <laughs> on vassals. Yeah, I've had an okay. opponent who we just started in the starter kit in in Houston. We met on yeah. game uh, game squad forum on a newbie night. And uh, okay. So we yep. both learn together, so we yeah. skyped and yeah. So we don't want to. No, we don't want to be a dis. But, but you anyway. had no face-to-face opponents. At no, that. my face right. first face-to-face opponent was a, a round here. Okay. The first time I came to the open. Oh, okay. I think, okay. Open. Oh, I think if you have no face-to-face opponents, the investment of time is worth it. You yeah. know. Yeah. But if, if you're playing regularly with people around the table, then it's less appealing. Yeah. If I was down like in. Ice Station Zebra and Antarctica. Right. That's one thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, I was just starting out, so I had no kit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. To, to use. Yeah. Right. And everything yeah. was out of print. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you don't have these things, you're supposed to have these things before you go and violate their copyrights on the vessel. <laughs> so let's not be broadcasting that to the world. Yeah. Right. You'll be hearing from MP's lawyer. Well, I have yeah. a kit now, Zach. Yeah, we're yeah. good now. Uh. And Rob, you designed a lot of scenarios, yeah? Not a lot of scenarios. Actually, the only scenarios that I design that are in print, uh, the only one I designed by myself was Scotch on the Rocks, which was in the WCW car yeah, pack. Yeah, that came out. Yeah. Oh, that came okay. Out. <laughs> I remember that. Okay. And then Scott Holes got top billing, which he deserved, on uh, that SS Airborne scenario. Uh Operation Citadel, which showed up, I think, in one of the Heat of Battle products. Okay. Uh, and then he also. Uh, but you worked on it. Yes, and well, I'm on there. But it was his idea, and it was a good idea, and he had the research materials. When I saw what he was doing, it was like, you know, this could be so much better if you did this, and it turned into a big kind of monster scenario. Um, but. The finished product, I think, was was pretty good, and it got published. And we had a hard time actually keeping the Heat of Battle guys to let it be a monster scenario, which it needed to be. They wanted to, on, to make on it, the scale it was, smaller, right. right? And that's the tendency, but it worked out. And and then there was a scenario called Showdown at Tugger Van Pass. I think it was in one of the old annuals, uh-huh. yeah. which really was a Scott Holes thing. But my name got on it because I sent it in to Rex Martin, and I I put his name on it. But that got overlooked somehow, oh, and so my name ended up being in the credits. But yeah, so there, I was never that much. I play tested a lot. I didn't design the scenario so much, but I was an active play tester for the annual. Where if you look at the old annuals, I'm there as a play test coordinator, and I also then would help Louis Tokars again, who had the same function for uh, the general and the modules. So I, I was in that group too, but there was a lot of playtesting to do back in the day. Yeah, and somebody was kind of 
somebody that we talked to earlier was kind of indicating that, maybe hinting that a lot of modern scenarios don't get play tested. Uh, well, I, I don't know from experience, you know, what they do, but from the product that gets turned out, it seems that way to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's just too many things you play. It just seems like they're unbalanced or, yeah. or you, you wonder how is it, you know, how is side X supposed to win this or the allies or whatever. Yeah. It was, um, Gennard. Yeah. goes way Dave back as, right. as far back as Mr. Banzik. And he said uh, they would play test those early things like a dozen times. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, more of that. Each each yeah. each play tester a right. dozen okay. times. Right. Yeah. So, I, I remember uh, I, I was with the '89 annual, which was the first one, and I, I had an opponent that that we play tested with, and he sort of dropped out of the hobby. But then when I came for the '90 annual, Rex Martin sends around the little pack, and there's like brief instructions on how to do it. And he, he wants, like, these reports, and he says, just, you know, one-line reports like, this scenario sucks are not helpful. <laughs> and it was Scott Holst who had done that. <laughs> so he was not a coordinator yeah. anymore. He works for, with me. <laughs> but if you know Holst, you know, that, that sounds like something they would do. Yeah, and to, and again, when I play-tested for Hakapale, I was glad to help out, but I'm not that guy who can break the scenario. Mm-hmm. They always talk about... Because we played a tank scenario, me and my friend Dave Timonen, but we weren't really great tank players. And so we didn't realize how easily you could break this by moving a vehicle into the other vehicle's hex and then running someone else off the side, mm-hmm. which, which was shameful for us. Um, but I think, you know, we certainly helped them play test right. and we gave feedback on... It's valuable feedback on the situation. Is right. it unique? Because I have tons of experience. Like, oh yeah, this is unique. It's got a lot of different things going on. Well, the thing with playtesting, <coughs> I found is it's not so much adding up which side wins, you know, which side loses. But you have to think, okay, what does this plane tell you about what could happen? You know, if one side won easily, but they rolled snake eyes four times in a row, yeah. that doesn't really inform you a whole lot. I mean, you have to think. Well, more likely is this. And if you play many times, you're going to see that range of results. You know, you fill in those data points. But, and uh, is it possible a scenario can be balanced, but still not a good scenario to play? Because each side only has one way to win. Is, right. Does that come up? Well, I would say that's possible because for smaller scenarios, you know, there aren't going to be so many things going on. Yeah. And also sometimes you'd find scenarios are just too tedious or rules intensive to be any fun. Mm. And you want the scenario to be fun, and I think part of that is play balance. Because I never played one that was real lopsided and, and, and you know, thought, wow, this is... This a lot is, of fun. Yeah. Getting yeah. rolled. Right. Or rolling someone. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, you feel cheated, you know, when you get done, and you spent, like, four hours or six hours, whatever it was, of your life doing this thing, and you think, I wish I could do something else. Yeah. So you want it to be, if it's competitive, if it's close at the end, then that's usually... Kind of, kind of fun. Yeah, and but something is too much work to do. Yeah, but again, also talking about playing equally matched sides. So if a middle experienced guy's teaching a rookie, right, and he's winning all the time, I don't think you should be throwing those in as play tests. That's right. <laughs> Gee, it seems yeah. like my, you know, the German wins all the time. Well, we better flip sides. That's right. And then is it always, you know, yeah, you want to have I agree some close to even matched opponents. But in our group, that was. Always the case. That was usually the case. Yeah, yeah. we, we yeah, had a guys lot of people who. Top. So. Uh, Bill and Zach dismissed um, when Rob told us he they could play whole whole scenarios and never refer to the rule book or the charts. Yeah, that, back then <laughs> I, I could do it too. <laughs> it just won't be right. <laughs> Actually, that's how I try and play. And then, you know, Holmstrom, did you guys meet Bob Holmstrom? He was with the Passel yeah. for a while there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. got to get Bob back. He's been on yeah. the show a lot. And he starts playing other games. And if you're doing that, you're no longer right. really part of my community that much, <laughs> sadly, which is sad. I should widen it up. But, um, yeah, he could shout out all this. I'd, whatever I rolled, he'd go, one check, two check. Right. I'm like, uh, you know, you don't mind if I just double check you, do you? <laughs> right, right. Dang, he's right. Well, that's the thing. It doesn't happen much anymore, but it used to be... 
you'd go to tournament and half the time your opponent would want to use the IIFT. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the and with me, just like, no. Because <laughs> I can do the IFT at least up to the 16. I've got it memorized, you know. Having to stop after every dice roll to look back at the chart just sounds like no fun. Okay, mm. after, after playing like that, yeah. you don't want to have to be messing with that paper all the time. Yeah, right. Impressive. I know some of it, but right. eight on the eight's a normal chart. I think my brain only right. had, can remember so many rules. And I'll put a new one in. That means the old one's got to go out. <laughs> That's what I tell my eighth grade students. Yeah. 100 graduate, and I tell them. I will not, when you come, please come back and visit me, but when you do, do not get mad at me for not remembering your name, because I got a hundred new kids I have to learn. And it's, it's fairly true. Only certain real special ones, especially great ones or especially bad ones, you remember their name. Yeah, that's, yeah, like the vehicle bypass, please, I remember that one. So, um... Korea has come out, the Korea module. I've been inter- interested to talk to people about this a little bit, and um, everybody owns it. Nobody's played it yet. <laughs> Some guys have punched it and not played it yet. Have you played it, or do you I have to, to confess I don't own it. Okay. In fact, since I uh, haven't played much in recent yeah. years, I haven't bought any new product for like 10, 12 years. So that's definitely in the category of things that I don't have. Yeah. And I have noticed, the first I knew about it was when I came to this tournament, some of the scenarios are in the on the list. Oh, oh they yeah. are. Wow. And okay. I'm like, what is this from? You know, <laughs> <laughs> what, what is the W rule section? I never saw this before. Um, so that's how sort of out, of out of the loop I am now. So you're not really a collector. Oh, not at all. You know how, I think that's another type of gamer. Right. They'll game, they won't want to worry too much about the rule book right. or, or maybe even playing the, they're the collector gamer yeah there oh, are I have people. this oh I have this cool right now I stopped trying to buy everything back with critical hit number two yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I do understand it unless it's a bounding fire product you want to learn all by River from River Creek no. Um, no it's too much yeah. Remember, they always joke. Yes, I did. Remember when we used to want more scenarios? <laughs> oh, yeah. Be careful what you wish for. Because right. Jeff knows I was trying to play everything in order. Mm-hmm. In order. I'm like, oh, we can't try that scenario, Jeff, because I haven't finished Annual 2 or, you know, Journal 6. Let's keep playing. Or I'd make him play the action packs, almost all of them. I'm like, okay, we got eight done. There's two left. And then Jeff will go, I can... <laughs> Yeah. Did you give up on that? <clears throat> he, yes, I did now. So like, I just broke out Poland and Flames okay. and played a scenario just out of the blue from that. Right. Jeff, today, I just grabbed a binder of scenarios and just it ended up being 0-1. What is 0-1? A winner, offensive pack, or yeah, out of the attic? Or I, I don't even It's small enough to fit. Right. So, with Grab work, it. you overcame that kind of OCD sort of yes. thing. Yes. <laughs> I think I actually would have become, and still might, become a decent player if I were to play, if I only had 12 scenarios and I played them all 12 times. Okay. I really, I really, I've rarely played the same scenario twice. Okay. I mean, and right out of the, right, right out of the gate, it was like that, so... I was always learning stuff new and forgetting what I had I done will, before. I will commit here in public to playing a scenario with you four, three or four times. Oh, okay. That's wow, great. In that, front of that everyone. Is, that is a big... Yeah, I think that Do would have a ring helpful. or something to give him? Or is that... <laughs> <laughs> that went out to the world, specifically Eric Ortega. Yeah. Oh, Eric's not on now. Oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, I see... I... See, I talk bad, and then there's oh, someone we're on, else. We're also on Facebook for you people yeah. listening at home who don't know we're doing Facebook yeah. right now live. Did he say something? Say he said, how often did you guys do the old point buy system and have at it? Oh, like buy your own troops? And that, I would guess so, yeah. That's a good question. Yeah, uh, do your own? No. Not me. Not No. Bill? There's no scenarios. Why? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no time for that. And, and yeah. part, to me, part of the appeal is the history. Now, I don't know how accurate these are, a lot of the published scenarios are in terms of research, but I'd like to think that they're, you know, somewhere in the ballpark. And, uh, no, it's okay, Bill. You know, I, I, I enjoy reading, like, the preludes and aftermaths to find out yeah. what was happening. And so then, like, you get this chance to reproduce it somehow on the game board. Yeah. 
and uh, that's just part of the attraction for me. So the, the, the do your own thing would, would be like fiction versus not fiction. Yeah, so when I, when I did, now that I think about it, we were playing ASL in miniature with my 15 millimeters. I got them all standing out. I actually switched them all out again and sold them to a guy playing the new fi- uh, miniature war game, World War II, because I switched into 20s. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, the point is we did make our own, me and this other guy, Joe, made our own sides. I took partisans, uh, bought points, and it was no history. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was kind of like, we got enough to do doing the points, right, right. let's just play the game and we'll have fictional city let's just do this terrain and now go buy points well you know when deluxe first came out that was part of the theory was it was supposed to work with miniatures yes right. and there was that company GHQ, called GHQ which made uh, and the that never caught teeny. on too small I think okay I think 15 millimeter maybe right and I also think the price like you play one scenario and you bought this stuff and how many people are going to do that and know? then you switch scenarios right like Jeff's kind of saying because I'm thinking like this one go big or go home scenario 01 that Jeff and I are never going to get to today but it's got the it's the French and then you get a certain vehicle and like Jeff's saying then you got to learn all these rules for like ram kangaroos or whatever right right and right. then you're like well now you're not going to use that again for a year two years three years never like, why did you spend your time learning about ram kangaroos when you're saying you'd rather focus yeah. on the same skill set yeah. and do it a lot. To... Well, also, if you're going to do this in miniature, if you're going to do this in miniature, you got to have the ram kangaroo. You got to paint that well, sucker, for, especially for miniatures, right? Yeah, right. yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> you're so, not gonna... right. Yeah. Um, I go to a miniatures club periodically in Chicago. Yeah, you do right. Yeah. And uh, I haven't been there in a while, but the guy almost has like an ASL set of miniatures. Wow. You know, and and that's taken probably decades to, to build up. So the nice thing about ASL, you, you go, well, this scenario, I've got an entire French army, an entire, you know, German army, you just pull out what you need. Whereas if you're going to do it with miniatures, okay, maybe make some squads, that's the same, but... Now you start getting into a tank. Well, I didn't buy that tank. You know, right. it's yeah. a big money commitment painting them and all that stuff. So. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I and, think that's. And with it. the deluxe boards, I think you were supposed to use the little GHQ, which is one two hundred scale or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What really? A, oh yeah, the, the infantry are like little little oh, pinheads. Yeah. Like two eighty five is their oh, micro armor stuff. That's right. That's right. That sounds right. Yeah. But still, that's if you're into miniatures, I don't know a lot of guys that are into that scale. You get a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can buy more for less money. But I think I think that's that scale's just a grander battle, really, than this yeah, is. Than even. this is designed for, right? Right. Exactly. right. Yeah. That's a good point too, because I have hexes that are all the foam core that uh, my old buddy Matt Ramsey made and then sold me. Yeah. Um, no, you still owe him for those. I don't owe him for those. <laughs> well, he did the flex of them. But anyway, I. Occasionally, we'll set all this up. Now, I look forward to retirement. Who wants to do a miniatures game on a Wednesday night? You show up at my house. I will have it ready to go. Yeah. You'll have to do nothing. Just show up, and I'll get you out of there in four hours, right? Yeah. And I'll prepare for, like, three hours ahead of time, laying out all these hexes. Um, but I, I find it it's entertaining for me to do. Sure. You know, Um and I got all some miniatures to go on it, but they're all 15. Now I'm going again, 20 millimeter, bigger, more detail. And Rob, when you retire, are you looking forward to playing more ASL? Is that uh, well? You got that kind of plan? It. Uh, I don't know if I'll get back to it like I used to at all. Um, part of that was just the Chicago community, and I, I, I miss Chicago. I do. I mean, I do think about maybe eventually coming, relocating back to this area. But tell you the truth, uh, just economically, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Cost of living around here, taxes and everything, pretty much yeah. everything is just way more expensive than in many parts of the country, especially yeah. northeast Ohio where I am now, which compared to around here is shockingly inexpensive. So just to come back to do that sort of, it's kind of crazy. You could come, you could come visit <laughs> yes, and well, spend some nights at Spilkey's, I'm here couple this weekend. nights at my house. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're here this weekend. But it's, it's so. cool. I, I've I've been fascinated over the years hearing how different people play the game. Right. Some people, we, we talked to Alan, Alan from... Dershowitz? Finley. Alan, Alan Finley. 
who doesn't play anybody. Of broken ground design. Broken ground. Doing all these new counters. He actually doesn't play. Hmm. He right. just researches <laughs> and designs Redesigns products artwork. And stuff. Well, you find and then that. there's people yeah, that are you know that it's all they do, and then there's other people that are in it for the history, and then right. other people that like you, right. who play a couple of times a year. Right. And I, I just find that really interesting, and I think it's good for other people to know that because they they might feel excluded otherwise. Like well, I'm not playing it right. I'm I think you find right. that with many mm-hmm. interests, like yeah, model railroaders who don't actually put the trains up but they just they collect them they like reading they like looking at other people's yeah. setups right or look at how uh, popular a lot of sports are football basketball baseball most of the people watching don't play for sure and lots never did right but they still they're they're spectators and like watching the games yeah so i think that's sort of analogous uh, yeah you don't have to actively participate to enjoy it Right, and and, it's, and certainly there are many other ways of participating besides pl- just playing. And, well, like Dave and I, who do not, we don't play at tournaments. Right, which is sort we of just inexplicable. We just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Rich thinks. Yeah. Rich thinks we're nuts. Well, forum was too exhausting mentally for me for a long time uh-huh. to do three games in a day, after two on a Friday night with two more on a Sunday and. I was just like, oh, that's just too much. But then when we're recording, right. this is the priority, not gaming. right. Yeah. But even that, you know, if you aren't playing with the idea that you're going to win and you clear it with Dave Goldman, the tournament director here, and you tell him, look, we just want to play on Saturday or we just want to play, you know, a few rounds, whatever they are, that would be fine. I mean, he'll yes. set you up accordingly. Oh, yeah, yeah that is true. And I do like that they have the one-day three-game Tournament or they have a mini tournament. Tournament. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Are you in it, Zach or Bill? Or? Uh, I'm not in it. I got knocked out. Yeah, <laughs> got knocked. Out. I lost last night. Oh know. okay, but that was really nice. And I started that two years ago when my dad passed away. Mm-hmm. Well, he went to the hospital in the middle of my first game on that Saturday. But I was up for that again. I'm like, okay, Jeff, we won't record. I'm gonna go do the mini, three games, and my brain will be not as fried as normal. But it, my dad, I had to go. Okay. Poor opponent set up. We got ready for turn one. My sister texted, Dad's in the hospital. You better get here fast. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. But I'll get back to it. Well, there is that kind of flexibility if you need that, you know, or if you're looking for that. Yeah. Or yeah. a, a place right. like Oktoberfest. Yeah, yeah. You, you right. just pick up games everywhere. Right. Right. So. And, again, I, I go to that, but I don't compete in the overall tournament. You know, it's a thing where Rich Spilkey again and I – Usually schedule something. Oh, and do the big. You guys do a big thing. Okay. We typically, the game we we typically do. Yeah. yeah, and we talk so, about the game. Yeah, and, and a lot of that's a social thing too. Yeah, because there, that's the biggest crowd. You see a lot of the old timers or guys you only see once a year, and uh, it's it's not probably the competitive atmosphere it might have been twenty years ago. Yeah, when we were all young. Other right? people have said too. Right, You've sat in your chair right. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Zach, is that your drink there? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, we're, they're not a sponsor. Oh, we'll get, <laughs> so, that, uh, we'll get that out of the, the video. <laughs> Inadvertent Did we show the placement. trophy yet? You want to show that, Oh, Zach? yeah, the trophy. Pretend you won, yeah. Bill. Come around back and pretend you yeah. won. Yeah. Bill before has won oh, the trophy. Congratulations, oh, Bill. There it is. <laughs> it's the closest I'll ever get to it. The tournament <laughs> is not over till tomorrow, but Bill is taking home the tournament uh, trophy today. So all the names are there, yeah. starting back in 92. 1992 with, was the first one. With uh, Robert Banizek. Oh, the very first oh, winner on that, that particular trophy. Randy, Rossi, we're still very apologetic about taking three years to get you on the air. We beg you to come on the air and talk about night rules. We beg you. We beg you. And uh, so that's a nice looking. I, I asked Dave Goldman, I said, what happens to this trophy during the year? Does each guy get to take it home? Oh, God, no. <laughs> never see it again. Yeah, goes, right. goes in a box and in it, into his basement. Uh, so it's not like the Stanley Cup. You know, you take it out to all the bars. Right, and right. Get all the pretty yeah. girls <laughs> want it, you know. Well, I know up in Winnipeg, the Canadian tournament they have there, they had a pretty good approach for like 100 bucks if you won for a $100 deposit. You could take it with you for the year and bring oh. it back. You get your $100. But yeah. no one ever does that. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, I can imagine. Right. So they just put it in the closet too someplace. Yeah, but Dave pointed out to me that there is no uh, ASL museum, official ASL museum somewhere where the cup could sit. This would be another good project for you guys, I think. I mean, you could have, like, 
the the two half squad ASL museum. I think you could. Start oh, that's actually that. a very well, we good should. idea. Charge yeah. entrance fees right. and yeah. well, we, you should. The call gift your... shop could be you know stocked full of ASL products. Yeah. Well, you guys, should, we should all call our congressman. They just passed a huge budget bill. I'm sure we that's could slide right. in right. some some ASL museum earmarks. He's never defined what ASL is. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Let them, exactly. Let them think exactly. it's American Sign Language. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Get, get I like non, that. Nonprofit status. Yes. <laughs> we'll get lots of. Oh, that would be so funny. Hey, I got a check in the mail today, Dave. Two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, that might be a good project for us, and we have other projects lined up. We had talked about um, we had talked about doing uh, tours. We did, like, uh, like, kind of like um, um, the new po- a lot of podcasts are doing it now. Yeah, um, like a cruise, cruise with the two half squads. Okay. Yeah, play ASL, go on a cruise, meet the two half squads. Yeah, but then we thought neither one go. of us are interested in that, so why would anybody else? Yeah, snap. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my NPR podcasts, Snap Judgment, and uh, yeah, they the, do it. The, yeah, and in fact, the one guy got hired. Uh, I was listening to this great podcast, The Memory Palace. He does ten-minute episodes of a historical story with this great music behind it that rolls, and there's usually a little something you're learning about a famous thing. You, or some even unknown thing, it's very fascinating, and he just does it so well. His voice and his music. He got hired by the Met. Is that the wait? Is that the Opera? He got hired by the Art Museum in New York. Whatever I forget. Yeah, MoMA. Well, uh, that's the modern art. But. No, the the older one. Okay, because he does that the Metropolitan Palace. That's the Metropolitan <laughs> Art Museum. And he and you put he they were paid paid him to record little things about the works of art. Okay. Eight minutes to ten minutes, and they come on your little headphones. And you walk around the museum, and you hear. So yeah. we'll be hired like that somewhere. I keep waiting to, to be discovered. About. Justin Bieber was recording videos on YouTube before he became famous. Oh, there you go! Wow, there you yeah. go. That could be you guys. There is hope. There is hope for us. Yeah, we talked about doing that, and um, and now that we're hitting our 200th episode, I think it's time to do something new. I don't know. Maybe just video. Maybe that's enough. I did but, hear you say, if we continue. In the last 24 hours to me about I did show. say that, yeah. I think did you I mean something by that? No, or? I really didn't. <laughs> well, no, we'll keep going. There's more like, to do. You know, a sports center on ESPN. Uh-huh. You could have, like, ASL center and maybe video like, like you're doing now. But games and then do the slow motion replays, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a dice bouncing yeah. and a glass, you know? It's a, and what did you think when you saw that? Through? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to do a um, comedy bit where we're narrating a, an ASL open with the quiet talking voices. Oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> oh, and Banizic, Banizic just made a great move with that smoke placement. <laughs> you hear a little yeah, quiet golf applause. And, right, right. Oh, now Spooky's coming back with a great move by Rich. I can't believe he thought of that in this tense moment. You could you could really you could even have pregame shows so you could say like number one ranked Rich Spilkey is going to beat the brains out of number fifty six yeah. ranked right, Emberton right, right. this Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> that could be trash talk. Yeah. Do movies when they're when you're both standing nose to nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against each other. What the heck is? That's why I could never be a boxer. I don't want to stand that close to someone's face and have them scowling at me before yeah. the match. Dude, get in your yeah. space. Get in your own space. You got brackets, you know, like the NCAA. Do the brackets? Yeah. 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 Oh, and the betting pool. The betting pool. Oh, betting. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be huge. That would be great. And then you oh. got DeYoung and DeVries. Oh, boy. Isn't that their last names? I didn't see. They didn't look at you, so I don't DeYoung know. DeYoung and DeVries. Yeah. 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 They're both D's. To be in their group, you have to be a D something. Yeah. Okay. I'm delightful. I know Jeff's still lovely. <laughs> delicious. I'm deluser. <laughs> and Zach's I'm just delu- dumb. Delusional. Yeah, delusional. <laughs> De minimis. De minimis. There we go. I was trying to think. <laughs> Where did that come yeah. from? That was from something earlier in the show. Yeah, that was from the podcast. The podcast. That, that I was on with you. Yeah. 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 We, we, we named it De minimis. <laughs> So, Rob, I have a personal question to ask you. Oh, off the air, um, please. And you. that is, do you prefer the dice tower or the uh, the glass? Or I, how do you I, roll? How do you I'm, roll? I am Box in, lid. In, in the glass. The glass. You are the glass guy. I, okay. I believe in, 
there's just something classic about the sound, you know, and yeah. the dice tower doesn't cock dice too often. And yeah. Maybe I just haven't seen effective ones. I don't know. But. The box lid. Yeah. I, should bring, <laughs> I should bring my uh, dice tower up. It has Bluetooth. Oh. There you go. Oh. Yeah. Had a display. Yeah. That must be good. Do you have any Bluetooth? And Bill, wow. you have your plastic stuff you self-manufactured. Yeah, I've, I've progressed and gotten into semi-production mode. Are you? Uh, we had a listener ask if your stuff was available. Yeah, uh, I told him it's no. available to me. That's what I told. Him. <laughs> I'd be glad to. It's a, it's a software model. Uh, so yeah. the three D printer model, I'd be glad to give you those, so you can print them up then. But uh, there's Bill Foran yeah. for you people on Facebook. No, not yet. Nope. There he is. There I am. <laughs> But you so. have more new stuff you did for yourself here? Well, I was just working on it, yeah. Just yeah. I got a lot of my OBA, some of my OBA. Rob doesn't know. It's a just storage system okay. that Bill's toying around with 3D printers. Cool. So Very cool. What can I yes. use for ASL? And get, get, get manufactured. Huh? He wants to uh, start selling it so he can retire. Yeah, because yeah, there's no, big money. But he's not selling it. Because did you see a listener asked on the show? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Well, there, there should be a line I think of ASL branded hair care products, <laughs> <laughs> and they could come in like special collectible packaging, so you could sell the same stuff to people even if they don't need it. Yeah, and, that's and, a, and it's a tradition. The there. That's a great idea. <laughs> Oh yeah, look yeah, at that. Yeah. Bill has showing us. If now again, you at home listeners, I probably won't bother editing this out. Oop, oop, oop. But you've seen his work Sorry. before. I'm going to get a photograph of it to put on. So I've modified my magnets. They're a little, little, little smaller. Okay, so they fit tight, and they're not labeled with the counter yeah. picture on it. Yeah. Yep. Nice. So you can put them out, and they don't. Now, did you have to destroy a counter to make the picture on the box? No, no, it's just a. Photocopy on a, on a sticky sheet and cut out. And are, are these certified lead free? That's the way to leave uh, They are all plastic. Well, I don't know about the magnets, plane? but okay. they came from China. So. Uh oh. <laughs> so uh, probably not. Oh, the price went up on these because of the tariffs. Well, I have my magnets in hand already. I oh, bought, you okay. Know, it's easier to buy five thousand and <laughs> cheaper. Let me look at that box. Would you? Oh, the top one there. It is. How many viewers do we have? That can we tell? Or? On Facebook right now, yeah. not a lot. Probably uh, three. You guys need to do better promotion, I think. Yeah, well, we, we kind of did this last minute. Yeah, yeah we, they knew we, we were decide. recording it here, but we didn't say we'd be visually uh, uh, live. Yeah, but they can watch it later. It'll I be see. on there. Wow. You do have magnets. It says inside. Eric joined. I wonder if he's listening to work or something. Ortega. Yeah. See if he's still. Got to get him back on. Number twenty. Uh, there's, that holds 20 counters. Oh, that's what it is. So I got sized for 40, 20, 15, 10, 5. That's, that's pretty tight. That's nice. Of course, I used to use the clear plastic film canisters. Mm -hmm. I taught photography at the middle mm -hmm. school back in 86, 87. And I could get those clear plastic ones. You could see the counters inside, and then I just marker wrote on it. Wow. Worked well. Worked well. Yeah. But then came the you... Plano and the, yeah. the Plano with the yeah, I need to regular trays. I need to redo all my counters. <laughs> Not looking forward to that. <laughs> well, should we wrap it up, Jeff? Take a break? Yeah, break? okay. Yeah. Grab well, West Vaughn later? Or? Yep. Brett Hildebrand. Yep, sounds good. Anything else, Rob? No, this was fun, guys. Thanks yeah, for really, having me on. really appreciate you coming on. It's been uh, we've been meaning to do it for a long time, so I'm glad it worked out. Okay, thanks everybody, Zach and Bill too. Yeah, thanks. Bye bye. That was great listening to Bob, or is it Rob? Rob, uh, I think. I think, he said, I think he likes Rob. Yep. I call him Bob, and he pretends like he doesn't hear me because he's probably thinking, <laughs> "I wonder who Jeff's talking to." And thanks for you, Jeff, for lugging and equipment there to get all these wonderful... Yeah, happy to do it. That was a great experience, as we've said before. We got some great interviews, and um, got to do that again. Yeah, and, and next show was going to be Mr. DeVries, who we yes. interviewed at the Open. Yes. And a bunch of other good stuff, so... We'll see you next time. to roll low. Rally well. But not when you're playing us. And clink and drink, and eat your sugar tanks. Grow up, be a good boy. <laughs> bye bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.